Welcome to CCC Talks, empowering IT and business professionals in their digital transformation journey. Find all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies at our blog and resource center at cloudcredential.org. And now our host, CCC Managing Director, Mark O'Loughlin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of CCC Talks with Mark O'Loughlin and the Cloud Credential Council. Now, today, we're joined by Alan Goody, who is Chief Digital Officer at Neoma Business School in France. Elaine, thank you for joining us on CCC Talks today. You're welcome, Mark. Hello, everyone. Uh, Ellen, tell us a little bit about what you do. What's your background? What are you up to? Okay, uh, at Neoma Business School, I'm Chief Digital Officer. So that means uh, I'm preparing the future of the school within uh, um, a, t a time period of, let's say, 10 years. And the thing is that I'm uh, running this department at Neoma Business School since three years now. And yep. I'm going with two teams. The first one is uh, like our R&D uh, team. It's a learning lab where we are exploring new tools, content, teaching methods, and spaces yeah. you know, to improve pedagogy. And this is really our experimentation and innovation area. And I, uh, I'm also organizing another team, uh, which is a digital organization hub and this team aims to support the entire school uh, in its own digital transformation. So that means we are providing support for every services and uh, every staff members and also faculty members in, in the school uh, to improve yeah. uh, the way they are dealing with digital transformation. Uh, that is such an interesting, I won't even say concept because it's not a concept, it's a reality that you're actually not only sort of faculty to teach digital, but you've also looked inward to the university and said, hey, the university is going through its own digital transformation. Uh, let's help the university transform. And I think you win a couple of things there. One is you help the university modernize. And second of all, your, your students are gonna get so much hands-on experience in the real world. I think that is, uh, that is invaluable. I think that's an amazing, um, I wish more universities would, would approach it that way. Um, do you think what you're doing is unique or are other universities that you come across doing something similar? You get uh, quite a lot of learning labs uh, in different business schools or universities yeah. uh, uh, across yeah. the world. But the thing is that we also are dealing with digital transformation for our own organization. And I think but this part is quite unique because uh, a large part, uh, um, mainly uh, it is organized, you know, with one team to do everything. And the thing yeah. is that at Neoma, uh, I'm working on the exploration part of innovation and I can count on the support of other dedicated teams uh, to work on the exploitation part. That means the day-to-day -day yeah. business. And that's very comfortable, you know, to work only on the future uh, part of the story and work only on the transformation part of the story. Yes. And the thing is that uh, we are dealing with quite a lot of different technologies because at Neoma, I believe that five technologies are really interesting for us. The first one are virtual reality and all these immersive technology. The second yeah. one are much more dedicated to artificial intelligence. 
The third one are IoT and big data and data analytics, always yeah. big topics. The yeah. fourth one is blockchain, and the last one is robotics and automation. And that means for these five technologies, we are uh, working with them also in terms of uh, uh, seminars and classes, because we got lecture for our students uh, on these technologies. But we are also making some research uh, around these technologies. And last yes. but not least, we are trying to use this technology in our own organization at the university yeah. in, or, in order to augment pedagogy. Uh, that's, uh, they're, they're the most common of these digital technologies. They're all underpinned by cloud somewhat. But uh, the technologies you said are actually the technologies that business are going to require graduates and then even more senior folks to have skills in and um, to exploit them. But in order for you to be successful with that approach, I guess, at the university, it, it keeps going back to the university has to transform some part, if not all of itself, but some part of itself for you to be actually successful as well. So I think you, you understood why don't we be part of that transformation and help the university change as well as um, uh, using these. We'll come back on those technologies. But um, you're heavily involved in higher education for a long time now. But, you know, education has a traditional way of higher education has had a tradition, it's very traditional, um, very method driven. It's, you know, tried and tested. Uh, and now we're at this cusp where we need to change. Is is there a challenge there for the industry itself, for the sector, to actually embrace any of this and do any change outside of, say, as you said, these innovation labs? Yeah, definitely. We got we are facing a huge uh, challenge because for me, that's really the momentum of disruption of higher education because you got so many uh, um, innovation uh, all over the world, uh, whether inside different kind of startups or even all these digital big tech giants. Uh, um, as business school or universities, you need to uh, have that in mind and uh, to uh, try to um, uh, set up your future uh, within the next five or 10 years. So as we are living this momentum of uh, disruption in higher education, you need to innovate. And the thing is that we are facing also two other topics. The first one is that all these millennials and Gen Z uh, generations are uh, learning in a very different way. I mean, they have access uh, to the internet uh, since they are babies and they have learned to click uh, maybe just before uh, having learned yeah. to love. So the thing is that they know how to find some information and to uh, um, you know learn new things. And for instance, um, one of the uh, largest uh, research on YouTube is how to do these things or bad things. So that's really interesting to uh, understand that because as we are working with these millennials, we need to improve the way we are educating them because if we simply uh, you know, transmit information, we are yes. not as competitive as the internet. So this is the other uh, things. The last uh, reason why we need uh, to, to, to innovate in the way we are running classes or conferences 
is that uh, even companies are waiting for uh, uh, new skills and they are hiring new kind of profiles. And the thing is that before you, you, you were more luckily to success if you have had a very strong expertise in one field. But now uh, that's better to get, of course, some kind of expertise. So that means some kind of hard skills, but you also yeah. need to improve a lot on all your soft skills. And that means that you really need to hybrid culture. And for instance, at Neoma Business School, we are hybriding the culture from the business, of course, but also from the digital culture and also all this creativity and design culture. And we believe that uh, the, the, the future managers are, are, are um, you know, they, they really need to get all these skills together. If they have yeah. only the management skills, it's going to be, you know, a bit hard for them in, in the, the world of today and tomorrow. Yeah. I think I think we're seeing that at the moment um, in that management layer. Again, that's a traditional model that's been around for a couple hundred years ago to the hierarchy. I think it's been so challenged now because, you know, people don't necessarily need to be managed because a lot of digital and tools applications do an element of that for you. You're, you're adding the intelligence piece to it or what you're doing, not necessarily, you know, in a big machine oriented factory building things that needs to be controlled so well so we need people to think but the management style and management thinking you know brings up this control kind of view which i think is interesting you said something extremely interesting there as well that um previous times university was an access to information pre-internet you know now you could get books on this but it was access to lectures to information to professors and so forth to research. And you then said that in this modern world uh, since the internet, um, you're now competing with the internet because if all you do is transmit, is lecture, I guess, that you can get a better experience from, as you said, YouTube. I do it myself. The most frequent thing I type into YouTube is how do I and fill in the blanks. Sometimes it's something personal. Sometimes it might be how do I fix something in the house. Sometimes it might be in work. How do I fill in the blanks, digital, cloud, whatever? And um, yeah, I, I think that's so interesting for universities to think about, for lecturers to think about, for heads of departments and professors to say, previously, yes, we were in that transmit uh, information world. We were in the research and development and so forth. That can take a lot of time. The world moves a lot quicker and acts a lot quicker. And then the millennials, as you said, they're born with a click mentality, um, which is the way they think going forward. And since I think the internet, have you experienced this as well with students that our ability to absorb information has decreased significantly, say, since the, and not to blame the millennials, but since the internet generation? Um, because yeah. we absorb it quicker, shorter, sharper, and we do it differently. Have you seen that? Yes, the level of attention in class uh, is going down uh, each year. And uh, you got quite a lot of studies around that. And for instance, uh, I got in mind a survey from Microsoft since I think it was in 2020, uh, where they said that for each minute, 
uh, you get only eight seconds of uh, a real deep attention. So that yeah. means for a whole class of six hours, it's only 45 minutes of attention yeah. from your students. And I'm I'm quite using this metaphor with the goldfish because the thing is that the goldfish gets uh, around 10 seconds of attention per minute. <laughs> So it could mean that as human, we are less, we are paying less attention than a goldfish. And definitely for professors and for universities, that's a real challenge because you need to enhance or augment pedagogy inside the class, you know, just to raise up the attention of your students and to make all these face-to-face -face time uh, very benefits for everyone. Because if nobody is listening inside the classroom, it's useless to be there. So the thing is for me uh, uh, to first of all raise up the attention inside the yeah. class during the face-to-face -face, uh, time, but the thing also uh, concerns uh, the way you are leveraging this time to make not only uh, information transmission, but also what we are calling at Neoma uh, experiential education. And for me, right. the face-to-face -face time is really precious and you really need to uh, think about how you develop your learning experience to make it more valuable for your students, of course, but also for you as a professor. And I, th I think that's a fascinating um, area to look at for universities and the education sector, because you know we see a lot of education moving to online and AI-driven learning platforms. But like what you just said there, I love the goldfish effect. That I never thought that we would have less attention span than a goldfish because we know goldfish is very little attention span. But I think like that, if all you're doing is sitting in front of a learning experience for you know days and days and days or months, you don't absorb that as much either. And now shorter learning experiences, I think, through the internet is, is quite good. But equally, a differentiator, I guess, for universities is not to just broadcast or transmit information anymore, but to get that engagement in the classroom that you will not get anywhere else. Now, that could be in the classroom and somewhat virtually, I guess, as well. I've seen some really good lecturers over the COVID period being able to almost jump out of a, a virtual session into everybody's desk and get them excited a bit more than just sitting there and listening and watching PowerPoint, you know, PowerPoint by death over a virtual session, you're going to have zero attention span, you know. So is, yeah. that, um, is that a differentiator then for universities, but also is that a challenge for universities because most, well, not most, but a lot of lecturers have learned how to transmit information, but they're not necessarily the kings and queens of creating energy. In, in a lecture environment. Is that both um, a promising area to to come in the future, but also a challenge in changing people and how they transmit that information? Yeah. Again, the pandemics was a huge acceleration for digital transformation in higher education. And for instance, at Neoma in September 2020, we have uh, opened our fourth campus, which is a persistent virtual campus. So that means uh, both uh, our students, our faculty members, or also our staff members can connect as an avatar on these 24-7 uh, open uh, virtual campus uh, to get access to uh, um, offices, to meeting rooms, 
to classes, lecture, conferences, or even concerts uh, within uh, uh, this quite hard period where uh, everything was closed. And that was really interesting to, to see what's happened with this virtual campus because we have had our whole community uh, being able to connect and without all these uh, traditional video conferencing tools. And that was really interesting to assess uh, how uh, the face-to-face -face was important and also how only this virtual class uh, uh, through all these video conferencing tools were maybe not enough. I mean, you can do the job with these kind of tools, yeah. but it's not, it's, it cannot be 100% of yeah. how you teach in the future. But to come back to your question um, concerning the faculty, uh, definitely uh, that's a matter of innovation. I mean, uh, faculty members um, um, are, are keen to innovate, but you need to support them because yeah. the thing is that they are experts in their uh, disciplines. And to get this expertise, that means quite a lot of time concerning research, concerning you know consultancy for different uh, companies, and then uh, when they are running classes, we can uh, get all these knowledge back to the students. And that's why they don't necessarily have a lot of time uh, uh, to get involved in huge innovation. And they are keen to innovate if you are here to propose, first of all, um, the culture of innovation inside your university or your business school. And of course, if you are providing quite a good support to help all these professors uh, to dig in these new technologies. And mm -hmm. for its stance concerning the virtual campus, that was really interesting because first of all, uh, um, a lot of people were saying, okay, that's like a gadget. But when you have experienced that, uh, you know, connecting for two days or a whole week of seminar through your avatar, when you have uh, exchanged uh, during the break uh, out uh, um, session uh, with your classmates or with your professor, when you have experienced uh, these concerts uh, at the end of the seminar, you can know that it's not only a gadget, that's much more uh, a, a new way to run uh, distant and remote classes and a, a new way maybe to work. And I do believe that's also our part uh, of uh, uh, work to make our students to experience new way of working and maybe yes. what could be a future for the digital workplace. I like that thinking, as you said, we've got to get the students to look at this anyway, as if it's a new way. It will be a new way of working. We've seen that with COVID. We've seen we don't need to travel as much. Now people will go back to travel, but maybe they'll find reasons not to. We don't necessarily need to go to the office all the time. So I think we're going to see this hybrid work model. You might be in the office two days or three days or an office hotel where you go into your meetings with your work because I think we are social animals. We are social. We do need social interaction. We learn uh, from looking and observing as much as listening. We use all of our senses. But I think it's a good model that you're saying. And it looks like the model of the future is changing using digital technologies is a bit like your virtual campus, a bit like virtual conferences, but also supplementing that with an element of face to face 
uh, supplementing that with an element of virtual face-to-face -face as well, and then the intelligent learning tools that help us learn as a new model. I think, am I right in hearing that that should be the new model we see, and the universities that embrace that will probably get ahead of that and have a, a, a better digital value proposition for students going forward than people or than traditional education that once remained too traditional. Am I right in saying that, that we might see an acceleration in some universities and others may remain a bit more traditional, but I think overall they've got to look at their learner base. The learner base, as you said, is from the generation that's born into the internet. They click before they do anything else. They'll be expecting some of this, but they, uh, they'll probably miss some of the social stuff. So it's blending that and that becomes, I think, the new model going forward. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you are uh, uh, dealing with education, one of the key concepts is what we are calling co-presence. And co-presence means that you get the presence of your peers, so from other students, but also the presence of uh, a professor, or at least someone who is going to share his own experience. And yeah. to get this co-presence, it's very hard uh, through only a, a screen, uh, and so that's why we are believing at Neoma uh, that uh, the best way to imagine the future of education is to try to set up uh, the best mix between different tools or different pedagogical activities. And some of them are going uh, to be face-to-face -face in class. Uh, others can be also face-to-face, -face, but outside the campus. I mean, you can organize a visit in a company, for instance, or a visit of uh, uh, somewhere you, you imagine valuable for uh, the, the teaching uh, sequence. Yeah. But you yeah. can also get in this mix, of course, a lot of digital activities that can be uh, asynchronous or synchronous uh, with video conferencing tools or with this virtual persistent campus. It really depends on what are your learning goals and how you think uh, this way it's going to be better to achieve these learning goals. And I do believe, and we believe at Neoma, that we need to organize this mix of different tools regarding uh, the, the variety of learning goals we want to achieve. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Can I ask, um, because there's a substantial amount of change involved there, but also possibly um, costs. So it's to change to transform, um, say, a teaching system or method or model that's been traditional for so long, and to bring in these new technologies from a funding or expenses perspective. Um, you know, universities will always say we 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 need more funding. We never have enough, which is fine. You know, but um, is the funding there, or are governance make governance making funding available or the private sector coming in with funding to help universities? How, how does this get funded in the education sector? Well, for me, that's not the um, uh, main question of fundings. That's the, the key question is much more on the culture. And the right. thing is, if you want to innovate and propose new things, I mean, yeah. it's only a matter of money and money, uh, you can get it quite easily even from public uh, uh, funds or uh, private funds. I mean, you got a lot of uh, organization uh, and a lot of uh, call for research in terms of uh, innovation for learning. So 
again, that's not a problem of funding. That's much more a problem of culture. And the thing is, uh, in the university, um, uh, sometimes, you know, you got a lot of innovations in universities. But the thing is that it's much more focused on a very specific diploma or around one very specific professor. And the thing is that uh, the, the key question is that you need to, um, uh, how you are coming from uh, going to the scalability of this innovation. And yeah. for instance, uh, uh, at Neoma, we are thinking on always on this scalability, because when I want to innovate on some topics, I'm thinking at the beginning of the story to my 9,000 students, not yes. only you know 50 of them or 100 of them, yeah. uh, to innovate for 50 or 100 is very easy. But if you are thinking in a scalable <laughs> innovation, that's yeah. getting maybe a bit harder to, to run it. So for me, the problem is not funding. You can find uh, the funds quite easily, but you need to uh, change the culture uh, in university and to go much more on collective uh, uh, thinking, to go on much more open innovation process. And for instance, I'm really open to share you know, experience and innovation with other uh, colleagues from universities or other business schools. And that's always really interesting to see what's, hap what's happening because a lot of people are saying, well, okay, that's great. We can co-innovate on this or that topic. And when yeah. you say, okay, so let's do it. And then you get almost nobody. So that really <laughs> means that our sector uh, is facing its momentum of disruption. And yeah. as, you know, like in other sectors have done before, we are simply staying each of us on our side without, you know, sharing innovation, sharing what's happening with that kind of technology and, you know, just simply going faster and faster. And thus, we are not... Uh, I think we are not uh, um, uh, fast enough uh, to prevent us from being disrupted from one of these digital giants or startups. Oh, absolutely. And I think, as you said, the sector is now in disruption times. It's, it's so interesting, I think, for us to live in. And you look around and say, I'm in, it is, in effect, an industrial revolution. This is an education revolution, a disruption mindset and seeing what, what comes out of it. I'm glad you said um, the challenge is not money, because I do agree with you. Money can always be found. Uh, you just have to put the right proposition together. And again, if it's research or whatever, have something of value come out of it, that we need to look at the culture. And it goes back to, again, my own observations in it, where some of the third level higher education is at the moment, and how I think they're just too traditional. They're still looking backwards and not forwards. And they're not ready to embrace change. But as we try and say to them, change is happening. It's not about embracing it now. It's about moving with the times rather than looking back. What um, types of technologies, um, I think you mentioned some, are we to look out for in higher education? Is it the typical AIs, the virtual realities, augmented realities, this type of thing, blockchain, is that big, cryptocurrencies? Are these some of the technologies that are hot ticket items both for the university but also for students thinking about careers going forward 
Well, concerning the technology, a lot of technologies are really interesting for students. I mean, they need uh, to improve their skills around virtual reality and immersive yeah. technology, AI, IoT, blockchain, automation, and all these stuff. Because all these technology, uh, uh, it's not a matter of business sector. I mean, uh, it's not depending on the company where they are going to work. All these companies are going to face one or many of these different technologies. So concerning you know, uh, the class and what to learn for our students, we do believe yeah. that's really important to get uh, some skills around these. And you, you can access a lot of information and develop uh, a lot of skills, uh, of course, inside the university or inside your business school if these are providing some lecture uh, around these technologies but also simply on the internet if you want to to become one of the experts in ai or quantum computing for instance you can you simply need to read a lot and to you know get yeah. connected to the right people uh, uh, to yeah. get the latest news from these different area of innovation so Concerning the class and the pedagogical content, we need as universities and business school to provide a lot of things and skills around these technologies. Concerning mm -hmm. us as organization, I do believe that we also need to explore uh, these different technologies because when you are thinking about virtual reality, we are using it since uh, now uh, around five years at Neoma. And we have developed the very first uh, uh, business case using VR in management. And the first one, of course, was in marketing because I've created with my team one of them. But we have also produced one in supply chain management. And uh, the latest one is go going to come on September 2021 uh, and uh, would be much more in HR. So what does that mean? That means that VR is really interesting to uh, um, uh, allow a better uh, learning experience uh, even yeah. on managerial topics, uh, marketing, yeah. supply chain, or HR. And that means uh, it's really interesting, you know, to climb up on uh, um, the, the experiential curve of these technologies because as we have began uh, this business case with virtual reality, we have been able to uh, launch our persistent virtual campus uh, in September. And that's yeah. really interesting to see how, uh, because we got quite a good vision on what we can do in terms of pedagogy with these all, all these uh, immersive technology, um, to see how we can speed up uh, our innovation process through this virtual uh, uh, campus. So that's only one example, but you can also uh, get on this with artificial intelligence. I mean, AI is very interesting when you are thinking about adaptive learning. And if you want yeah. to set up a, a really good uh, uh, adaptive uh, learning process, you need to uh, um, be able to gather uh, quite a lot of data in terms of learning from your own students, but also to get uh, the right algorithms uh, to analyze these data and then to uh, uh, set back the right content at the right time with yes. the right level of complexity for your students. So you can go through all these five technologies I've mentioned and I do believe that all these five technologies are making sense both for our students but also for 
universities to dig in and to explore to uh, you know augment uh, uh, the the value of the learning experience. Uh, isn't that so important? Um, I think in the past, you know, you could some of the things you mentioned, marketing. You go to the marketing faculty or the HR faculty. You don't touch any IT. You go through that specialization that you're looking for into the workplace. Am I right in saying today that all these faculties should actually meander somewhat into IT to have an understanding of what some of these technologies can do for HR? for marketing, for whatever the other, even if it's philosophy, I'm sure we can use AI engines to expand our thinking in those spaces. So is it a case now that the digital faculty, the IT, whatever we want to call it, that everybody, every student should come through it somewhat to get an understanding or an appreciation of some of the digital technologies and capabilities at least not that they have to go build something with it but they should be exposed to it as part of their university learning but is that something that you do or is that something that you see should happen possibly in the future or is it happening yeah um both <laughs> of them i mean <laughs> Uh, definitely, faculty members need to get quite a good understanding on what this kind of technology means and yeah. what are the impact. And I, I would go one step further. I mean, the world needs people to think on the impact of these different technologies. Yeah. So uh, if even if you are working uh, in ethics, for instance, that's definitely really interesting to see what's happening around AI when you are uh, 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 an expert in ethics, because you've got so many questions around ethics in AI, but definitely we need uh, more critical thinking on what's happening. And I do believe that's uh, the role and the purpose of faculty members, first of all, to uh, propose research around these different topics, but also to give students like uh, um, a, a critical approach of these different technologies, because when you are looking on what's happening in the world, I mean, all these digital giants are giving a lot of information around technologies, around their own platform, yeah. around what we can do or cannot do with these technologies. Okay, right, but they are only giving one vision of that. Yes. And as universities or as a business school or as a professor, I want, I, I don't want only to give one voice around this technology. I mean, my job is to give several voices, for instance, around AI or VR. Uh, I'm not here to sell uh, a technology from Google, Apple, or Facebook, or whatever. I'm here to explain my students what's happening with these technologies, what are the impacts, what are the positive aspects of that, but also what are the negative effects yeah. And as in everything, you get positive and negative effects around these different technologies. So that's really important to have faculty members, you know, mm. uh, feeling comfortable with that. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean necessarily to provide them, you know, a, a, um, a huge IT culture. I mean, they are not going to code anything in terms of AI mm. or whatever. Yeah. But that means they need to get uh, time to think about the impact of this kind of technology. And again, it's changing so many things in the world that uh, even people uh, in the HR or in the legal 
disciplines or ethics, or you mentioned philosophy, even we do need uh, a philosophical uh, thinking around these technologies because, yeah. for instance, take VR. Uh, and I'm beginning my uh, seminar around VR with this question. And the question is very simple. It is, what is reality? <laughs> and when you are thinking with that, yeah. is VR a fully virtual reality? Is it a reality or not? Yes. And that's a part of the story. I mean, when you are working with virtual reality, you are constructing a virtual thing. But yeah. in the life of someone, that's a reality. For instance, I have experienced uh, uh, to being uh, immersed in virtual reality uh, content, and I was looking at a dinosaur. And the yeah. dinosaur was eating something. Yes. Of course, dinosaurs are not existing anymore. We all know that. But the thing yeah. is that I can describe you very precisely what's happened during these five minutes of me watching a dinosaur eating. Yeah. Is that reality or not? I, uh, that, I think that's an amazing question. Um, I'm going to have to have a think about this later on today. Uh, what is reality? And it opened up so many different ways of thinking. Then it goes back to what you're saying about ethics as well. And then are you applying ethics into that reality or to what level? Because if you don't, it doesn't mirror reality, but it's a different reality. Maybe that's what we want. Oh, my. I'm going to have to stop thinking about that for a few minutes because I'll just be consumed with it. You mentioned something. That's fantastic. You mentioned something really good earlier on as well about having time to think. And my goodness, I hope we can impress on the generations that are coming through universities now about, you know, work does require time to think. These technologies requires time to think. A great example was ethics applying to AI needs you to think about the ethics in the AI and what that means later on. We can only do that if, if we think. Far too often we're trying to teach education to go do things. That's perfect, but sometimes we need to factor in think time. And I hope that's part of the mindset going forward from at least education, that at least we could probably bring it into the workplace. Very hard to change the culture of management that exists today based on two, 300 years of, of history, where it's more about productivity. But as we certainly move into the knowledge economy in certain parts of the, the, the world, I think think time becomes so, so, so important. I think that's, that's really good. Um, Elaine, we're going to finish up shortly, but before we do, have you any final words that you could share with our listeners on everything and anything that's happening in the education space and digital? Any final tips or observations to share? Yeah, definitely. The thing is that the world is changing very fast and even in higher education. And again, I do believe we can face up all these challenges uh, uh, by, uh, you know, trying to innovate and trying to propose new things. And yeah. definitely that's a matter of culture. And uh, for instance, at Neoma, we are developing all these test and learn uh, culture uh, uh, taken from the, you know, the design thinking culture. And that's yeah. very powerful. So don't be afraid to test new things, even when you are facing up all your students, because uh, they also be, uh, you know, uh, um, grateful for that. 
uh, instead of only being comfortable on your traditional uh, approaches from lecture. And again, yeah. that's just a matter of uh, dealing with future of education and education is so important in this world actually, yeah. but we do need to improve that and to allow more people to get access to that. Because again, things are changing everywhere with so many technologies, but it's really important to climb up on these uh, lifelong learning approaches. I love that lifelong learning. I do ascribe to that myself. I don't think we ever stop learning in this day and age. It's, it's changing too fast. Um, I think I like that as well is to apply a lot of this in your teaching. We, we, we learn by seeing, we learn by hearing, we also learn by doing and also failing. And I always say, I've said on a few of these sessions before, it's not a mistake if we've learned from it. So even for the lecturers of the world, the professors to probably go into a classroom, try and experiment with the object of we will probably fail. But what are we learning from it? Um, yeah. uh, it could be an AI thing that goes into the ethics. That would be fantastic failure because it doesn't become failure then. It becomes a learning and therefore we learn from it. You know? Yeah. You, you know, it's remembering me uh, this quote from uh, Mandela uh, who said, I never lose. Either I win or I learn. Oh, I love that phrase. I love that. Um, I think that's a great mantra. You either win or you learn. You never lose because what happened, what didn't happen, and, and I worked at it. And I hope I hope to see that in this digital education of the future as well. That'd be fantastic. We're going to bring it to a close. Alain Goody, thank you so much for joining us today on CCT Talks. Thank you for your insights. You're welcome, Mark, and see you. Thank you for joining this episode of CCC Talks. We hope you enjoyed this episode and walk away with a ton of actionable insights. If this is your first time joining us, this is us extending a personal invitation to you to join other IT and business professionals. So please subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or Google Play. If you are struggling in any capacity in your digital transformation journey, contact us. We'd be more than happy to guide you and find you the right certification courses to help you manage the challenges modern businesses are facing. This was CCC Talks. Until next time.